Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, Middle Finger Project creator Ashley Ambridge returns to the show to share her journey from living in a trailer to a house of moxie and a wildly successful copywriting business. Ash, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks uh, so much for taking the time to join us. Srini, as always, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so you and I go way back. Uh, I have known you for a very long time, ever since we started the show, actually. And you have been on the show twice when it was called Blogcast FM. And we've had numerous requests for you to return to the show uh, to tell parts of your story that uh, I'm hoping have never been told before. So uh, on that note, can you tell us, uh, especially for our new listeners who may not know who you are, uh, a bit about yourself, your background, your journey, and everything that has led you to where you are at and what you're up to in the world today? Yeah, first of all, those people that have been emailing you requesting for me to come back onto the show, let me tell you what, it has been a pain in the ass to pay them for all of this publicity that they're getting me. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have people who are giving you free publicity, isn't it? I mean, that is fantastic news. Thank you. They must really love my man voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who have not had the unfortunate opportunity to stumble across the middlefingerproject.org. That is my website. It's our company blog. It's something that I've been growing since 2009, painstakingly writing twice a week about this idea that, hey, guess what? Life doesn't have to suck and we can start our own businesses and we can make great money doing really cool shit and it doesn't have to be this big, painful, horrible journey. I've been doing that since then. Um, copywriter by trade. Uh-huh. Do that for a lot of tech companies and fun hip startups who are looking for an edge. Right now, I am living in between Costa Rica, Chile, and my hometown of Philadelphia. And today, I made the best soft-boiled eggs I think I've ever had in my life. So I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself because I'm not traditionally good in the kitchen. Yeah? <laughs> All right. Well, let's do this. I want to actually go really, really far back uh, to formative experiences, uh, looking sort of at your childhood and what I call the journey, the journey before the journey. You know, when you, when you look back over the course of your life uh, and if you were to plot it out on a timeline – what would you say have been sort of the moments of significance and inflection points that have ultimately led you to where you're at? Oh, definitely the day this kid Craig in the sixth grade stood up on a chair and started chanting to everyone in class, 
Ashley lives in a trailer. Ashley lives in a trailer. That was absolutely a defining moment for me. Is that the kind of stuff you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. Go there. Yes. Keep going. Yeah. um, That was the time when I realized that there really was a difference between me and some of the other kids who had things like stairs and basements. Um, I was never a fan of living in this gold and white 1970s-style box that had these walls that were almost – they were like fake walls, right? It's like you could take a box cutter and just cut straight through them. Um, But that's how it was. I was growing up. It was just my mom and I in the middle of rural Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania – which I think statistically is the poorest county in Pennsylvania. And we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. So I went to school every day and I studied my ass off with the dreams of becoming a CEO because of people like Craig, who I just remember being so scarred. Um, that, that does a number on you when you're a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. It really does. Have you ever had any experiences like that? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I very distinctly remember, uh, you know, my parents couldn't afford to buy me really expensive shoes because my dad was a postdoctoral, uh, student when we were in Texas. And so I would get pro wings from Payless and my dad didn't believe that kids got made fun of for wearing crappy shoes until we went to another town where somebody who didn't even know who I was started making fun of my shoes. And my dad saw that for the first time. And he was like, Oh my God, you're kidding. He said, you weren't joking about this. I said, yeah. So imagine what it's like to go to school on a daily basis when everybody has Nike airs and polo shirts. Yes. I remember begging my mom to buy me this pair of $50 Vans sneakers. You remember those sneakers? Uh Yeah, of course. Yeah. They were $50. They sold them at Dick's Sporting Goods, which for me was about 30 to 40 minutes up the road in the, in the closest mall. And I begged her and I begged her to buy me these vans. And she just looked at me and was like, Ash, I would love to, but I can't. It's something you're going to have to save for. And now in retrospect, uh, I've been going through a lot of my family's financials, things like that, because I'm actually writing a book right now. So Uh I'm doing some research and I'm looking back at our tax returns And I'm talking tax returns for $9,000 a year. So, I mean, what? Like you make make so little money that, of course, $50 pair of Vans is huge. And from where I was then to where I am now, it's incredible, that difference. I I came from from nothing. (laughs) Okay, so I have lots of questions about this. Where I want to start is with a question that I've asked a lot of people, uh, for some reason, who who seem to have been here on the show a lot lately, who have actually come from backgrounds of not being wealthy. And the question uh, that I have for you is one that I also asked Donald Miller, is how growing up in that environment has affected your perspective on wealth and money now? Yeah, Serena, I think this is one of the most fascinating questions for me. And it's one of the questions I'm exploring in the book that I'm writing right now is, okay, so why is it that some people go through hardship and they come out on the other side better for it? And why is it 
that some people go through the same experiences and it just entirely destroys them. I'm fascinated at exploring this prism of the human of the human psyche, the soul, um, whatever it is about us that either makes us succeed or fail. And so far, I will say that I think the one thing I've been able to identify about myself that might be different from perhaps other people was this sense of independence at a young age. I always had that because of our situation. Um, you know, my, my mom had this crippling anxiety disorder so bad that she was actually on social security disability for it. My dad, I never met this guy. And uh, my stepdad, who was brilliant, he actually passed away from cancer when I was in the eighth grade. So I remember dealing with a lot of adult topics and themes when I was young because in a lot of ways I had to be the adult and I hated it when I was then and I hated it when I was young. I remember screaming at my mother and saying, why can't you just get a job like everybody else? To think about that now, how much that must have hurt her, is, is absolutely harrowing. But at the same time, I think it really did me a favor. I think that I was bred to be independent by necessity. Mm-hmm. And that independence showed me at a young age that I could do things in that time because I had to do them. But it, it, it taught me to be self-reliant. It taught me that if I made a promise to myself, the likelihood of me keeping it was high. And it taught me that no matter what happens, there's always a way to fix it. I got really good at fixing stuff. And I think that really has been the number one thing that's translated for me in the world of entrepreneurship because it's all about risk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learning to trust yourself is huge. Wow. Okay. So a couple of questions. You kind of stole the words out of my mouth uh, when you said, you know, you're trying to understand what it is that differentiates the two people who end up becoming better for having gone through their circumstances and the ones who become worse. You know, that moment with a kid telling you you live in a trailer, that became a catalyst for a lot of the things that you did in a very powerful way. And I'm actually really interested in hearing what do you think it is that differentiates the two, the two types of people who end up doing something powerful with that uh, and the ones who don't. Yeah. You know, I think there's a, a deadly combination between that sense of fierce independence and getting pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that's it. I think a lot of us have grown up in those scenarios where we had to rely on ourselves. We had to be independent. And I think that there's a lot of potential to fall into the victim mode of the world has it out for me. I never had shit growing up. I never had a leg up. And it's really easy to fall into that trap of woe is me. And don't get me wrong. I've certainly had those moments. But I think that there's a difference between the person who just accepts the victim state and the person who gets pissed enough to say, no, 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 Ain't going to happen. It's not over till the fat lady sings. And I am not done singing. So hang on. I'm only 31. 
give me a minute. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> hmm. uh, and I, you know, I, I have to say, I think that it's that combination of being independent and having, having this conviction in yourself and being pissed enough to see what happens if you try. When you do that, the odds are in your favor because at least you are getting out there and trying, which is a lot more than most people end up doing anyway. No? Yeah. Uh, which raises another question for me. Um, you brought up a lot of character traits that seem to be the byproduct of the environment that you were brought up in. And I'm interested in hearing whether you think those character traits are inherent in certain people because of the situations they're in, kind of like the one you're in, or they can be learned. And if they can be learned, how? Hmm. It's a good question. It's a good question. You know, I, I, I've examined myself so much over the years in times of success, in times of failure, um, why I've resented certain things over the years and why I've been totally okay with other things. What is it that makes me tick? What is it that makes somebody else tick? Can it be learned? Yeah. I want to say yes, because that's the natural optimist in me sitting here saying, yes, of course, it can be learned. You can learn resilience. You can learn perseverance and you can learn grit. I think that's what this is about, grit. Because let me tell you what, when you get out there, the world is a beautiful place and you can do a lot of stuff, but it's also very nasty at times. And you're going to get told no, you're going to get slapped in the face. And I think that's when you need that grit and that resilience. And can that be learned? You know, I think, I think that not automatically, but I do think that when you start to go through certain experiences, um, you know, I've been kind of like a test dummy for myself the last few years in particular. And just when I thought things couldn't get worse, they have always gotten worse in the, in the sense of more challenging. Um, you start to grow a company or a business, and you think that everything's going to be cool after that. You're going to be making great money. It's going to go on easy street. But then you're faced with this whole new set of crazy different challenges, different expectations, different limitations, constraints, everything. So the fun never ends. And I think that if you are willing to put yourself in those shitty situations and get out to the other side, then yes, I think it is something you can learn, this idea of resilience, grit, perseverance. But you have to be able to just take the leap first. And I think that's the hard part. So if you don't believe in yourself now, it's tough to have that faith. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as you were saying that, I, I couldn't help back, but think back to a passage uh, from Seth Godin's book, Lynchpin, where he talks about well-meaning people telling you to have a plan B in case things doesn't, don't work out. And he said plan B almost becomes a cop-out because then you don't have to put in all the effort you do. And I, I, I realized at moments, I'm like, wow, there is no plan B. If you have to make it work, uh, you're kind of at your wit's end that almost can be the catalyst and the reason that you end up succeeding. I mean, I pushed and pushed and pushed at working on this because I just couldn't see any future at a real job. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, 
um, in one of my blog posts, I wrote the middle is for cowards. And that reminds me of that plan B. Oh, I don't know. I've gotten very good at just making the current plan work. I don't think I've ever even had a plan B. Hmm. <laughs> That's not to say that to be boastful. I just, I can't even, I can't contemplate what, what would plan B even look like? Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You know, it's it's the the whole idea. It's like, hey, have a backup plan. And and what he said in the book was something along the lines of, here's the problem with a backup plan. If you know you have a backup plan, you'll probably end up settling for the backup plan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I think that you also there's always that sense of knowing that you settled for the backup plan, and that's really the part that's upsetting for me is because that's what eats you alive. It's not the fact that, okay, so you had to go with plan B, you have to get that job, you have to go to work at this office you don't like, whatever the plan B is. It's not that. It's the fact that you let yourself down. I think that's where the the real rubber meets the road. So I want to ask you one other question about money and wealth uh, before we move on. You know, the the thing that's interesting to me is is that you've gone from a position of, of growing up uh, effectively in poverty to running a wildly successful business. And I'm curious how your own internal narrative around money has changed. Um, and I'm also interested, uh, because I was having a conversation with my friend Mike Harrington last night about irrational fears uh, and things that I think are crazy. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be single, broke, and dead uh, if this doesn't work out, which I'm saying that as somebody who's getting to do a book with a publisher. And I'm like, wow, wait a minute. That's completely irrational and asinine. So I'm interested... One, what your internal narrative around money is, and also at where you're at, do you still wrestle with these kinds of fears and these kinds of irrational sort of conversations in your head? Oh, that's so funny. It's like the higher the stakes are, the more you're scared to lose them. I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's double-sided for me. I think that it's, a, it's part of the reason why I work so goddamn hard is because I will never get to this point and then lose it and ever go back to that. I will never, ever be able to do that. And I think there's that fear all the time. I think that not so much even the financial piece, but losing so many people when I was younger – I I think that's really what the impetus has been for me. For me, money is less about material items and more a symbol of protection for me. Mm. And that's just my story, right? You know, I I had those people die when I was young. My mom died before I graduated college. There was no other family. It's a very bizarre scenario. It was just me left. And this was at a time when I was supposed to be graduating and going off and doing beautiful things in the world and feel really supported by my education and all of my experiences. And it was probably the time when I felt um, like everything was just falling out from under me. And, you know, right. It it was like this very crazy whirlwind. Um, My stepdad died. My best friend Jill got killed in a car accident that same year Afterwards, my mom passed away, and then in the same week, my first kiss and one of my very good friends, Vince, he passed away. And then our other good friend, Tony, who's the first guy to ever take me to a formal dance, he died also the same week. It's, it, it was like this period of time for me where I felt like I couldn't trust anything because everyone was going to be taken any minute. And I think that's really when I started clinging to success and money 
as a way to protect myself because I knew I couldn't rely on people anymore, which sounds very cynical, but it was very true for me. Mm. And I think that, if anything, is what I get scared of because now if I don't have that cushion, if I don't have that money, if I can't provide for myself, there's nobody else who's going to do it. I'm kind of on my own, right? Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Uh, you know, I, I'm really glad you brought up the story about your mother because I know you've written about her quite a bit. Uh, and the question uh, that I have for you about that is how did the relationship you have with your mother 
influence and shape the way you've ended up living your life and the way you see the world. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. My mom was such a sweet woman, very docile, very uh, meek, considerate, sensitive. She liked to garden. She would never have been an entrepreneur. Risk, not her thing. Um, we were exact polar opposites. And like I said before, you know, growing up, oftentimes I kind of had to be the adult. Like, okay, mom, you lent the neighbor money. They haven't given it back to us yet. I'm going to go and get it. <laughs> or silly things like, okay, mom, it's time to go to the dentist. I know you don't like the dentist, but we have to go. Stuff like that. Um, and like I said before, I used to get so angry at her for putting me in this embarrassing situation as a child. Living in a trailer was not cool. I would sneak out the back, walk all the way around the block, and come to the bus stop from the exact opposite side of town just so someone would think, or no one would think, that I could ever possibly live over there in that trailer. <laughs> Um, and my, my, my mom couldn't do anything about it. She was very helpless. And I remember when she realized I was doing that, I remember seeing her cry. She was doing the best she could. And I know, but because of that, her helplessness, that I think has been truly what has driven me to never feel helpless again as a child, you know, you're, you're kind of helpless. Like you can't get out and go become a CEO when you're 14. Um, and now it's the complete opposite. I've somehow managed to flip the script where with money, I feel powerful. I feel in control and I like it as a tool, but I will say, I think of her often. Um, I think of people who need help. I'm a total Democrat. Um, I give homeless people on the side of the street all the money in my wallet because it makes me feel like this is not all for nothing or not all for a pretty condo or whatever. Um, I like to tip good waitresses. I, I, I try to give back because I remember how much she struggled. And, you know, I think maybe it all happened for a reason. Even though I don't believe that shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the things you said in that is that you've somehow flipped the script. And I'm really interested in hearing how people flip the script in their own lives if the script they're living through is not serving them. And the other thing is, uh, do you think that we need an inciting incident or a catalyst in order for it to happen? Dude, you're totally writing a book right now, Mr. Inciting Incident. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that from Donald Miller, so. <laughs> okay, wait. I got distracted. Do, I, do we think that okay. there's an inciting incident? <laughs> so, so two things. There's two questions. One was, how do people flip the script in their own lives uh, if the one they're living is not serving them? And in order to flip the script, do we need an inciting incident or a catalyst or some sort of crisis? Mm. You know... I think that this is probably something I shouldn't say out loud, but I'm going to. 
since I run a blog called The Middle Finger Project. And people have been known to do that here on the show. I I think I probably owe it to the brand. Um, In order to flip the script, you're going to piss a lot of people off. I have had to slowly get better and be okay with pissing off a lot of the people I love that I would never want to hurt or offend or shun. But something I noticed when I was trying to flip the script when I was younger and I was still, you know, in kind of this limbo mode trying to figure out what I wanted was that a lot of the people around me didn't share that same perspective. And it's real easy to go to other people for their opinions. And, you know, we do that group think thing like, okay, well, if four people say that I should do this, then that's probably what I should do. Um, And that includes little stuff, not just the big stuff. That includes people writing you Facebook messages. Now, I've met a lot of people over the years. I love many people around the world. I have so many amazing friends. But I also have a Facebook messenger inbox full of literally hundreds of unopened and unanswered messages. Not because I don't love those people, but because I have had to prioritize. And I can't take the energy out of my day, the time, the emotional, the mental, or anything to really systematically sit down and keep getting sidetracked over and over and over and over. And that has been a conscious decision I've had to make that I know is pissing people off actively because they're feeling rejected by me. They're feeling like, I, who do I think I am? But guess what? There's only one of me and there's only enough hours in the day. You have to be deliberate. If you're going to flip a script, you've got to flip it. And that's going to take some serious energy. Um, So I think that's probably the first thing is you're going to have to be okay with upsetting people you don't want to upset. Is that the impetus? No, you know... You know, my flip the script moment, as I've written about as well, came because it really truly was a a moment where I had no other choice. After all of the things were said and done, after I found myself alone in Philadelphia, of course, I had built a career by then. I was doing the standard stuff that one does. I was great at my job. I did advertising sales. I was awesome at it. I, I was doing okay. But I still was making some pretty poor financial decisions, probably partly because I felt like I deserved it. I felt like after all the shit I had been through, I deserved $5,000 mattresses. I deserved to go to San Diego for a weekend and just totally stay in the coolest hotel I could find. I deserved all of these things. And so next thing I know, I also deserve to be in the middle of Philadelphia in a Kmart parking lot with nowhere to go in the middle of the night with $26 in my bank account. Um, (laughs) 
then that's when things got really real for me. And I had to make some really big choices right then and there. And I had to move. I couldn't wait to go find a job, wait another month until I got my first paycheck. I couldn't do all of that. I had to figure out a way to make some money now. So I did. And that's, yeah. Okay. In that moment of standing in the parking lot, why do you think some people succeed at managing their psychology in a moment like that and others don't? And what does it take to manage your own psychology? Mm. You know, in the moment, it doesn't feel like you're managing it very well. <laughs> <laughs> in the moment, it does, certainly does not feel that way. Um, and I think people with high expectations for themselves or the perfectionistic type, like I might categorize myself, um, it's worse because now you found yourself in this position you never thought you'd find yourself in. And now you're even more upset with yourself. And I, I think that a lot of us wonder, is this it for me? I don't know. I've had that thought many times over the course of my life. Is this it? This is, this is it. This is, what I'm, this is what I ended up as. This is what I became. This is how much money I'm going to make. This is what I'm going to be. That's never it. <laughs> it's just in that moment. And I don't think it's really in that moment when you make the choice. I think we're all equally full of grief and shit and horrible feelings and despair. Hmm. But I do think it is in the days that follow. Those are the crucial ones. Now, in the days that followed with that situation, I kept getting slapped down more and more and more. Um, I turned to a girlfriend to see if I could stay with her that first night. And I was okay to stay there for a night, but she was actually with some guy that she had been living with. And the guy was having a cousin. You know, it just wasn't an appropriate place for me to be. So I had to move on. I called another girlfriend um, who had been a great colleague of mine for a long time. She had a house in the Philadelphia area that she was renting. (sighs) I stayed there for a night. And then her roommate felt uncomfortable with me being there as well. So I had to keep going and figure out something else. I talked to one of my best friends in the whole wide world and she lives completely in a different place. And she was like, Ash, like if I had money, I would help you. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want that. I'm just, I just need an ear. And then after that, um, yeah, I went to another, another girlfriend's house and kind of the same thing happened. You don't want to be a burden on people, but you are. And it didn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. So I had to figure something out. And I knew in those days that followed, seeing that I had to rely on myself um, probably is the reason why I decided to. So I don't know. Maybe if someone else is going through that situation and they, they get off easy, maybe that's not such a good thing. So I want to ask you one more thing about this part of our conversation before we shift gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things you said was that you had experienced this period of your life where you've lost a lot of people and uh, you had gotten 
to this point where your internal narrative became that you just couldn't trust that people would be there. And I'm curious if you've ever managed to shift it back. Mm. No, I will be frank and honest with you. No, I'm not that trustworthy. And especially in light of some of the instances that I've dealt with over the last couple of years in particular, I'm not that trustworthy and I don't mind. At some point, I probably will want to soften again. But right now, I am very much focused on doing what I have to do for me and keeping an eye out on me. So, no, that's probably something that I need to work on. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate your candor uh, about it. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's shift gears because this has been a bit serious. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about things that are a bit lighter. Uh, one of the things that has always intrigued me about you is that you have such a distinctive voice as a writer. Uh, one that really does cut through the noise and, as you like to say, hits people in the face with a crowbar. <laughs> and I am really interested in how that has been cultivated, how it's been developed, uh, and, and kind of you know how the experience of your life kind of makes its way into the work that you do. Yeah, you know, I think I get asked, probably the number one question I get asked by people around the world is about finding your own voice in writing, um, which is intriguing to me because it's not something that I ever felt like I needed to actively work on, but was just sort of there. Um, I get told quite a bit that by reading my writing, people feel a little bit more liberated to use their own voice, and it helps them in that sense. But... Yeah, when I started the Middle Finger Project and started writing, it was not something I planned on necessarily building a public profile on. So it was easy for me to say what I was thinking because I had no big plans. <laughs> I didn't really realize that all of a sudden I would have a ton of subscribers and people actually judging me. So it was easier then. I will say that over the years, and especially recently this past year, I noticed myself shying away and not saying what I wanted to say and tempering my own voice for a couple of different reasons. But I've recently taken an active effort to get that back. And I think this goes this goes back to something we were talking about before is the higher the stakes, the more fear there is, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that kind of happened where I was growing and growing and growing and the higher the stakes were, all of a sudden you start to feel like, oh my God, I can't lose this. I have everything has to be perfect. Every single blog post I write, every single word, it has to just be amazing. Like I can't say anything that's going to put me in jeopardy or put the company in jeopardy, <laughs> it gets to be different. So I'm actively still figuring out how to use your voice, when to use it, how to cultivate it, when you need to call upon it. But I think that, no, I think that remembering that you pick the things that you pick, whether it's you pick up a magazine or whether you read a book, you're attracted to something, because of that author's voice, and you want to know what they have to say. You want to know what their opinions are. If they didn't have an opinion, it's like reading a Wikipedia article. And who the hell wants to read that? So you have to constantly remind yourself, myself included. So what would you say has been sort of the central ethos that ties your entire body of work uh, and everything you do together? 
I think I I want to say I want to say resilience because I really have been hip on that theme lately. But I don't think that's it. I think independence is is the better word. I think that there is just so much opportunity now online more than ever. Hmm. If you want to build something, it doesn't have to be a business. It might be an idea. Using these tools we have to get our own independence, steal it back and use that as a way to make something great. I think that's really the thread that weaves everything together. So, right? If it's a personal story I'm telling, if it's a business story I'm telling, it all goes back to this, independence, being able to choose your quality of life. Do you think the thread that ties everything together is something that reveals itself to people over time, or do you think it's something that they know right from the start? Oh, God, no. Nobody knows anything. No, God, no, I know. I don't know anything. I didn't know anything. And it's one of those things you have to live your way into the answer. It's such a pain in the ass, but it's true. Nobody knows anything out there. And everyone is really just taking a big old stab in the dark. (laughs) It's funny. I honestly think it took me five years to come to the term unmistakable. When, you, when I hear you say that, like it took five years of work to figure out that's it. That's the central ethos of every, everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really helpful to be able to identify that one word too. Keeps your head on straight, keeps things purposed and targeted and not just with your business, but with your, your own goals and your own priorities in your life too. Right? Yeah, it's it's the filter by which we want run everything through. It's like, is this unmistakable? We want people to know it came from us. And if we look at it and we can't, it looks like somebody else could have done it. We're like, it's not ready yet. Boom. I really like that. Yeah. And I think that maybe, maybe that's where I got some traction myself. Maybe. I, I do get told that a lot, that my voice in particular, if they see it somewhere on the internet, they know it's me hmm. writing. So maybe that, that is a really good, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Well, Ash, uh, this has been really cool. So and I, I think that that actually just makes such a perfect transition to how I want to finish, which is um, how we wrap everything up here at The Unmistakable Creative. And, you know, it's weird. I, I probably have wanted to ask you this question for so long, and now I get to. <laughs> That's a scary preface. What do you think makes somebody or something unmistakable? Is it okay if I say balls? <laughs> say whatever I, you want. Can I say balls on the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely balls. I think we all have an opportunity to be ballsy in some way, shape, or form, even in the smallest way, shape, or form. No matter what it is we're doing, if it's art, writing, design, science, living. I think balls is the one thing that can elevate you to that, what can we call this? The the zone of unmistakable. Um, I think it's that quiet, 
little opportunity that you're not really sure if you should go with, you should. Because the worst that could happen is someone is going to tell you that they don't like it on the internet. And you know what? You can delete that comment and keep on going with your life. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Ash, uh, I have to say, this has been absolutely phenomenal, as I expected it would be. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, and share your story, your insights, and uh, everything you have with our listeners, The Unmistakable Creative. It's really a pleasure to have you back here after so many years. Thank you. I do hope that there are some broke bitches out there right now who have gotten some inspiration. And I hope that the story serves to show that, hey, guess what? You really can do it. You can. Thanks, Rini. Yeah. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. And download your free copy.